0: well good morning there you go looking out seeing all these children here is just an amazing delight makes me smile i'm glad i can take my mask off here for a few minutes you can see me smiling uh, because it's worth a good smile to see all of you here along with your parents Um, it's good to be together as the lord's people i i uh I do want uh, something that Alex just prayed. I uh, just I just sensed as he was praying that maybe this would be a good moment to uh, call attention to some of our needs in terms of ministry teams. Uh, if you have some tech ability, if you have a capacity to do sound or to uh, work with different programs for our live streaming purposes, and you're hiding those gifts, we need those gifts to come out of hiding right now. Uh, Please see me or Dave Esther now here, right in front of me, hand raised there. Uh, We really are in need so that we do not overburden the few who have been laboring so faithfully over this past year, really. It's just been a labor of love uh, that many of us would not even be aware of because it goes on behind the scenes but many hours and much labor and much pressure and effort so to those serving this morning and uh, have served throughout <laughs> thank you to all of you and uh, to go beyond the applause. The applause is wonderful. If anybody is gifted in that way, please, please uh, step forward so, to help us at this time. Alright, it is my joy and my privilege to open up God's Word with you this morning. So I want to invite you to take out your Bible uh, or whatever device you use and turn to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. And as you're turning there, just a little bit of an update on where we're going to be going preaching-wise over the next weeks and months. Next week, uh, Pastor Rick is going to be bringing the Word on how to follow the risen Christ as disciples of the Lord, Uh, and then... The week after that, God willing, we are going to begin a paragraph-by-paragraph, roughly, uh, sermon series through the book of Colossians. Uh, Colossians is all about the supremacy and the preeminence and the greatness uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it just is our sense these days, in the midst of all that's going on, that we need to see Jesus. And we need to see him in all of his glory and all of his majesty and beauty. And so we're going to be working our way through the book of Colossians uh, over the next year or so. Uh, so let's begin to prepare for that. But at a, as a bridge message, one between uh, our, our message last week on the resurrection and uh, the messages to come, I want to turn our attention this morning to Hebrews chapter 7. And I'm having a little issue with this door here. It keeps wanting to open up. And it's going to... Okay, I think I'm ready here. Hebrews chapter 7. I'm just going to read a few verses beginning in verse 23, recognizing uh, that we are breaking into a lengthy... Uh, Really, the whole book of Hebrews is about how wonderful Jesus is. Uh, The whole book of Hebrews is about how Jesus is better than and superior to every other Savior, every every other Lord, every other anybody. Uh, He is the best. He is excellent. He is wonderful. And we're going to see here today that he is superior as our great high priest. So will you follow as I begin reading in verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 7. The former priest, speaking of those in the Old Testament, Aaron and his sons, the former priest were many in number, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently, because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost, or to save forever and completely, those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a High Priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those High Priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for His own sins, And then for those of the people, since he did this once for all, when he offered up himself. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, would you, by your Spirit, shine the light into our minds and hearts, that we might see the beauty and love and glory of Jesus. In his name we ask it. Amen. Well, I'm glad there are so many children here this morning because I had it in my notes here to talk to you kids for a couple of minutes and to actually ask you a a question. If somebody came up to you, children, if somebody came up to you and said, do you believe in the sun? That is the S-U-N. Do you believe in the sun? What would you say? Kids? Kids? Do you believe in the sun? I think you do. Do you believe in the sun? Now, if somebody came up to you and said, if you said, I believe in the sun, and they said to you, well, prove it, how do you know that there is a sun? How do you know that there is a great big ball of fire hanging in the sky? What would you say to them? Very good. Look up. The greatest proof we have for the existence of the sun, S-U-N, is simply to look up. All you need to do is see the sun, S-U-N, in order to believe in the sun, S-U-N. Seeing is believing, right? Right? Seeing and seeing the glory of the sun and the beauty of the sun and the effect of the sun helps you to believe that the sun, in fact, exists. Now, I want to change the vowel in that word from S-U-N to S-O-N. How do you know that the sun, S-O-N, exists? And that he is all that he claimed to be. Well, what you need to do is look at the Son, S-O-N. Not with your physical eyes, but with the eyes of your mind and of your heart. You actually need to look at Jesus as he shines out and shines forth in the Bible, in God's Word, and the more you look at Jesus as he is revealed in Scripture, the more you will believe that he exists. Because seeing is believing. And so One of the goals we have as a church is to dazzle the next generation, our children and our young people, to dazzle them with God. We want to have Jesus shine forth from this pulpit. We want Jesus to shine forth in our lives, to shine forth in youth group and in promised kingdom. We want Jesus to shine forth in such a way that our children will see the light And they will believe. And so, I believe it's really, really important for us to make sure that every time we preach and do anything and sing and all the rest, we make sure Jesus shines through. And that we catch a fresh glimpse of the beauty of Jesus. And I think this text in front of us helps us like that. So children and parents... Hear this this morning. Last week we preached, we sang, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. But all too often Christians leave it behind when they walk out the door on Easter. And the resurrection means very little, if anything, to them on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and throughout the rest of their lives. We need the resurrection to mean something to us every day of our life. We need to be conscious of it. We need to live in the good of it and the power of it. And I don't mean in just some kind of, of... metaphorical way or symbolic way like we need to come out of the tomb of our self-doubt or we need to come out of the tomb of our defeatism or our trials no no we need we need to see the resurrection for all that it is a real person died a real death and was buried in a real tomb and came out of that real tomb in a real resurrected body and now lives really and truly for all eternity and in his present and eternal life is doing real things to change us and to change the world and the cosmos we need to believe in that resurrection it really happened and he is really alive now the question is what is he doing now well verse 24 of our text says he always lives to make intercession for us that is to say he is always functioning he's always alive functioning as our great high priest now you may not be familiar with priesthood, as it is revealed in Scripture. Back in the Old Testament, God appointed a priesthood. Aaron and his sons were to be the priests. And in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the job of a priest was to to bring prayers and sacrifices for the people. The people were sinful. The people were guilty. And in their sin and in their guilt, they just couldn't come directly into the presence of God. They needed a priest to go between them and God. A priest who would offer sacrifices to atone for their sins and then pray in their behalf. That was the function of a priest, a prophet, back in the old days, a prophet spoke to the people for God, and a priest spoke to God for the people. A priest prayed for the people, a priest helped to make things right between sinful people and a holy God. And so what that means when we read in the Bible, in Hebrews, that Jesus is our priest, it means that He's the one that goes between us and God. He's the one who makes a sacrifice. He's the one who prays for us. He's the one that gives us access to God. Now, you're only going to appreciate that. I'm only going to appreciate that. I'm only going to cherish Jesus for that if I am aware of my sin. As a pastor, I worry about something, and it's okay as pastors to worry about certain things. One of the things I worry about, I'm concerned about, is that I believe we're living in a time when everybody is way more focused on other people's sins than on their own. Check out the media. Check out social media. Check out everything that goes viral. How many times do you see people get on uh, Facebook or whatever and confess their own sins? And in contrast, how many times do people get on Facebook and confess somebody else's sins? Everybody's, Everybody's aware of what others have done wrong against them. And very few are aware of what they have done wrong against God. And I believe that the gospel will only be precious to us, and Jesus will only be precious to us, and Jesus as our high priest will only be cherished and loved by us if we gain a fresh awareness of the realness and the severity and the seriousness of our own sin. And that there is no way we can approach God without a high priest because we are too sinful and he is too holy. But we have a great high priest. We have one who has ascended up into heaven, who prays for us and intercedes for us, and who has a sacrifice that has been offered in our behalf. And I want us to, to notice from our text just four quick truths about this high priest that are very wonderful to know. Number one, he has an indestructible life. He has an indestructible life. Children, what does that mean? He has a life that cannot be destroyed, his life cannot be brought to an end. Look at verse 24. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But, Jesus holds His priesthood permanently because He continues forever. We have a high priest who continues forever. His priesthood lasts forever because He Lasts forever. Notice verse 25. He always lives to intercede for us. And if you go back to verse 16, we're told that Jesus became a priest by the power of an indestructible life. This, that's what Easter was about. That's what resurrection day was about. To prove that he, death could not contain Him. Death could not, in the old hymn, could not keep its prey. He tore the bars away. Jesus, our Lord and our High Priest. He has the power of an indestructible life. Jesus just can't be killed. Death can't hold Him. Eternity is where He lives. He lives forever. He continues forever. He is truly indestructible and immortal and invincible. And it leads me to the question, well, what difference does that make for me and my life? What difference does it make for you that He has an indestructible life? Well, one difference is you never have to start over with a new priest. Have you ever had to start over with a new doctor? Not fun. Ever had to start over with a new mechanic? A new pastor? You never have to start over with a new priest. He ever lives. It means he will always be available. Just had a Interaction with somebody yesterday wanting to get together and talk and looking at my schedule, I realized it ain't going to happen until Tuesday anyways. I'm just not always present and always available, Uh, but we have one who ever lives and his schedule is always open for all of us. You never have to start fresh with a new priest. Our priest will always be available. He will never stop interceding. He is able to save to the uttermost forever and completely those who come to God through him. This is truth number one. Let it dazzle you just a little bit. The one who leads you acceptably to God, who gives you access, who lets you pray, so that God hears your prayers. That one never dies. He has an indestructible life. Number two, brace for a big word, children. He has an impeccable resume. Impeccable means there's no flaw in it. There's no stain in it. His resume, his his record, his character is flawless. There's, There's absolutely nothing wrong with Jesus. Look at the text. Verse 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens have you have you ever had somebody you depended on who failed you have you ever had a leader that you depended on who sinned and fell and and fell badly have you ever had anyone in your life that you trusted on who failed to live up to the standard. We all have, right? But here is one that we can trust ultimately. Here is a high priest who is absolutely, impeccably flawless. There is nothing wrong with him. He is holy, the writer says. That means he is set apart by God and for God and from sin. He is innocent though He was tempted in every way like we are as children and adults, though He was tempted, you know, He was a little child, and so all the ways you kids get tempted, Jesus was tempted that way too. Jesus knows exactly what you've been tempted by. Tempted to be mad at your, your brother, your sister. Tempted to disobey your, your father or your mother. Tempted to fight and, and to quarrel, to get your own way. Jesus was tempted in all of those ways. Yet he never sinned. He was innocent, even though tempted. He was unstained, the author says, though very much in the world. He was never stained by the world. And he was separate from sinners, the author says. Relationally, he was a friend of sinners, right? He loved sinners. But morally, he was separate from sinners. He never sinned in the way that his friends sinned. Friend of sinners without getting friendly with sin. And the author says, he is exalted above the heavens. Not only did Jesus come here to earth and live a holy, innocent, unstained, sinless life, once he was done with that life and once he had died and was raised from the dead, he was then exalted above the heavens. No longer a baby in Bethlehem. No longer No longer a man who was hungry and thirsty. No longer a man hanging on the cross. No longer a man lying in a tomb. He was raised and he is exalted above The heavens. It doesn't get any higher than that, right? Doesn't get any higher than that. No more exalted place. How different and infinitely better He is than every human priest you can imagine. Holy, innocent, blameless, unstained, exalted above the heavens. Here is our high priest. Here is the one who intercedes. For us, friends, don't ever think you need some kind of human priest to gain you access to God. Look, I'm a pastor. Some people think that that means that I have some kind of special access to God. No, I'm on the same ground that you're on. I'm in the same place that you are. I'm a sinner just like you. There's only one high priest that can get you to God. There's only one priest you need. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He has an indestructible life. He has an impeccable resume or character. Third, he has a perfect, once and for all, sacrifice. He has a perfect, once and for all, sacrifice. Look at verse 27. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Or chapter 9 and verse 24. Chapter 9 and verse 24. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. Now to appear. Oh, what a, what a wonderful statement this is. He is in heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. We have somebody who is always in God's presence, on our behalf, for our sakes, to meet our needs. He is always in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all. At the end of the ages, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Once and for all, this is the great wonder of the cross. This is is what's so amazing about Calvary. In those hours when Jesus was on the cross, those Good Friday hours, Jesus was paying the sacrifice for your sins and mine once and for all. Never to be repeated. Never to be added to. Nothing more to do. It was done once and for all. You know, we live in a world in which People make, I think, three big mistakes when it comes to sin and sacrifice. The first mistake is the I don't need a sacrifice mistake. And this is people who who think that they are just so good or maybe that God is so forgiving and so indulgent. No sacrifice needed. We can just do whatever we want and we're good. Our culture says there's no such thing as sin and so there's no such need for a sacrifice. Big mistake. The I don't need a sacrifice. But then there are those who think, I can bring my own sacrifice. Yeah, I've done some things wrong, but I can atone for it. I can make it right on my own that God will have to accept me because I'll bring Him enough gifts and change and character and do enough good deeds. I'll bring my own sacrifice. No, that's a mistake. And then there's a third mistake. And that's the mistake that says, I'm so bad that I'm going to need to sacrifice over and over and over again. Jesus' sacrifice negates all of those mistakes. My friend, you need a sacrifice if you want to be accepted by God. But you don't have a sacrifice that is good enough and worthy enough and perfect enough to offer to God. And no, you don't have to bring a sacrifice over and over and over again because he offered up himself as a perfect sacrifice once and for all we have a great high priest an indestructible life an impeccable resume a perfect once for all sacrifice leading to a complete salvation. Verse 25, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him. He is able to save, that means forever and completely. Forever and completely. He doesn't do a partial job of saving. He doesn't do a temporary job of saving. He saves to the uttermost, forever and completely. Those who draw near to God through him. So what do we do with all of this? Well, first of all, let's let the light of Jesus' beauty shine in on us. Let's just see him. Let's realize how wonderful of a savior And Lord and High Priest, we have. And let's make sure that we have this High Priest. If you're here today and you have never acknowledged that you're a sinner who needs a High Priest, you're a sinner who needs Jesus, then make sure He's your High Priest. You need Him. We all need Jesus. You ever hear people say, well, I really don't need Jesus. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. There could be no statement that we would ever make that is more untrue than that. We desperately need Jesus. And Jesus offers Himself to us as wonderful Savior and High Priest. And so what do we do? Well, we do what the author tells us to do. Look at Chapter 10, as I close here. Chapter 10, in verse 19. In light of all of this, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. By the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water." If, you've, if you are living with a guilty conscience right now, children, if you feel guilty over things you have done wrong, adults, if you're living with a guilty conscience, let us draw near with boldness and full assurance of faith. God will not reject us because we have a great high priest. And all of our sins can be washed away and our consciences can be sprinkled clean. Oh, let us draw near with a true heart of faith. And in verse 23, let us hold fast. The confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Don't loosen your grip or grasp on Jesus. Hold fast. There is no one, there is nothing in all this world that is more precious than Jesus is. There is nothing you need more than Jesus, and no one more wonderful than Jesus. Hold fast. The world is going to say, let go. Hold fast. Temptations are going to try to loosen your grip on Jesus so that you can go grabbing for other things. Hold fast. Sin is going to come after you and try to pry your fingers off of Jesus. Hold fast. Hold fast to Jesus. And let us... Consider, the writer says, how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It is good to meet together and gather together. Let us not neglect it. And those who are cautious and so are not here, may it be that as soon as possible, the Lord will release your heart to be here and make it possible for you to be here because we need to be together. We need to be together. We need to stir one another up to love and good works. Because it's hard to stay going in it, isn't it? It's hard to stay faithful. It's hard to stay believing. It's hard to do the right thing. It's hard to do good works. We need each other to stir each other up to love and good works and to keep on holding on to Jesus. So let us draw near. Let us draw near with a true heart. Let us draw near with full assurance. Let us draw near without wavering. Let us draw near together. Let us draw near together all the more as the end draws near. Let us stir one another up. And in and through it all, let us hold fast to Christ, who alone is worthy, who is, in fact, our great, incomparable High Priest. There is no one else like Him. Let's hold fast. Let's pray. O oh Lord Jesus, by Your Spirit, show Yourself to us. Open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things about you. and May it be that those things that we have heard will actually be seen by the heart. Make Jesus beautiful to us. Wonderful to us. Precious to us. Whether we're two years old or a hundred years old, make Jesus precious to us. For he is worthy and we desperately need him. Amen.